This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated G for general audience. It's season 12 of the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. The Sonic Summerstock Playhouse is the seasonal series from the Sonic Society in which producers and actors from the modern age of audio drama recreate and reproduce classic old-time radio plays. The Playhouse is open to all producers and creators of modern audio drama to bring to a contemporary audience these classic plays. And now, for the final performance of this 2021 season, we pass the microphone over to the host of the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse, Mr. David Alt. Thank you, Jack, and thank you for joining us at the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. And this week is our final feature at the Playhouse for season two. David, David, uh, Jack? David. <laughs> Jack, please, there's, there's no need to run. Did I, did I miss your introduction? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just, uh, I'm just giving it right now. Did you tell everyone that tonight is the final performance of uh, the season? Well, yes, I. Did you tell them that it's the derelict, an episode of Escape from the Nerado Radio Players? <laughs> Jack, no, I, I hadn't gotten quite to that did yet. Did you tell them how upset I am that this is the first year in twelve years? I won't have a feature on the Sonic Summerstock stage? Uh, no, I. but I figured people would understand and, that... And, and did you tell them about next week being the beginning of the new season of the Sonic Society? Well, to be honest, I haven't had a moment. Oh, the curtain's rising, and now we don't have time. See you after the show, folks. Tired of the everyday routine? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you Escape. Escape! Transcribed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. You are one of four survivors of a wrecked spacecraft drifting aimlessly in the endless reaches of outer space. While the three men who are your companions, unaware of your innermost thoughts, are making their own plans for the division of treasure, which, because you are a woman, can mean life or death for you all. Listen now as Escape brings you Victor Schwartz's unusual story, The Derelict. I'm rich now. Good looking too. A lot of guys have said so. 29, and that's on the square. Dark eyes, dark hair. And I've been a dancer all my life, so you can figure out for yourself how I'm built. Now, I'm not just telling you this out of conceit or anything. I just want you to know what you'd have if you had me. And you can have me. Any one of you. 
All you gotta do is come out and get me. A couple of weeks ago, I climbed aboard the space freighter Capricorn out of Titan for the Andromeda system with a load of titanium rods and six passengers. Had a job waiting for me in Kern City, but I took a freighter instead of a rocket. One, for the dough. Two, because I was in no hurry to start working. The honest truth was my feet were giving me fits. Four days out of Titan, the meteor shower started up and the Capricorn just busted into pieces from the impact. Don't know how long I floated around, hanging onto some wreckage, till they hauled me into the rescue pod. All right now, easy with her. Gently. Gently. Do not bruise her on the side. There we go. Clear off that canvas, Lou, while set her down. Oh. I'm alright. Certainly you are. There. Get her helmet off. Here, here. Throw this jacket round you. I'm okay. No kidding. The jacket? Thanks. And hold on to this rail. <sighs> Everyone all right? All right here, Mike. <clears throat> okay. We're just going to have to ride her out. You, uh, all right? Sure. Not sick anymore. All done. Kind of silly, wasn't it? Like a kid. <laughs> no, not so silly. May I uh, do something for you, my dear? No, thanks. I'm really okay. Keatman. Henry Van Keatman's my name. It was my cargo of titanium rods on the ship. <laughs> Poor insurance company. Borman. Mike Borman. Cora Moore. Hello. This is, uh, Lua? Or is it Walu? Lua. Poor fellow was part of the crew. Well, some predicament, eh? The others? All dead, I suppose. Or adrift like us. No, dead, I think. We were the lucky ones. Some are, some aren't. Well, spirits up, everybody. Look, we have water for a few days, so that is fine. Sure. People do not get lost in outer space these days. Not with modern communications and so much satellite tracking. All right. We'll set up watches and take turns trying to reach someone. Find something to eat. Food? Who can think of food now? Well, as always later, you take the first watch, Keatman. Luwa and I will go off. Are you setting yourself up as captain, Mike? I hadn't thought of it that way. I want to be captain. I've always wanted to run a spaceship. Look, I don't care who's captain. But somebody's got a watch. And somebody's got scavenge. Very well. We all do jobs. While Lou will scavenge. All right. Mike will watch. I shall tend to the water, portion out the proper amounts. And Cora, my dear, 
You should sit there and be womanly. The water sits in the middle, so everyone can see it. And Cora helps out like everyone else. Sure, Mike. Just tell me what you want. Settled, Mr. Keatman. Settled, Captain Bowman. I got a long look at them. Keatman, big around the middle and chest, white, shiny face, powerful arms. Mike, middle-sized, not bad-looking, with clear blue eyes, the kind a girl ought to have. Lua, small, good at finding hidden things. So, there we were, three men and me in a tub, bobbing around uncharted space, drifting. Then on the afternoon of the second day... Look! Look, see! Huh? A sheep! Coming right for us, Mike! Look at it! I told you! I told you we'd be found! Hello? 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 Save your breath, it's way out of range. We push ourselves to it. The propulsion rockets. Walu, the rockets. Mike, the rockets, quickly! Mike and Luwa went to the rocket controls. Keatman stood at the communications panel, yelling, looking kind of silly. The ship came closer. It was cigar-shaped and had once been sleek and shiny, but now it looked like it had been beaten in by a hundred men with sledgehammers. And Keatman stopped yelling, and Mike and Luwa stopped the rockets. The ship came closer, bearing down on us as though we were pulling her with ropes. She had to be spaceworthy or else she wouldn't be flying, was what we all figured. Was she manned, though? Still, she came on till we could see the marking on her nose cone. Charles W. Ballingford, Plymouth, 2067. An old streamliner, Mike said. Not seen in the starports for 50 years. Not this one, though. She was making right for us. Big and dark. A ghost ship. Who what? Maneuver us in there. Right, Mike. What are you doing? We're going to board her. Look, there's a cargo port open. We're almost there. All right. Steady now. She's a derelict. She's no good. She's better than an escape pod. Hold on to something, everybody. All right. I'm going out. Anyone want to come with me? I'll come. Keatman? Yeah, yeah, of course. I'll come too. The ship was deserted, and the cargo door shut with the push of a button. The last man off hadn't been able to do it, I guess. All her escape pods were gone, and junk was all over her deck. Machine parts and space dust. So you knew she'd been flying empty a long time. Once we got atmosphere, we learned that she stank from rot. We looked her over. Then, down in the captain's quarters, we saw it. First, a couple of human skeletons and a pile of junk that was once clothes. Then, a metal box, near the skeletons, open. And in it were bricks of greenish-yellowy stuff... Mike knew right off what it was. It's gold. Impossible. It cannot be. 
It's gold, all right. I've seen gold before. Sure it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Feel it. Hold one. Twenty, thirty pounds a brick. That's a fortune. No kidding, how much? I don't know, but, but a fortune. Easily a great amount. Easily. Shut the box, Keepman. The salvage laws. It's ours. If we bring it in. We will. We've got another problem first. But I tell you, people do not get lost in outer space these days. This is 2113. You did not get lost in outer space in 2113. No. Shut the box. It won't float off. What? Shut it! Who are you to tell me what to do? Oh, stop it, you two. Squabble, squabble like a couple of chorus girls. Sorry. Sorry. I am... I apologise. All right. All right, then. Let's check the galley. Checking for a food supply should be first and foremost. We don't know how long we'll be stuck here. What about the... the skeletons? What about them? We should get them overboard. I do not like to share the ship with them. You do what you want. You throw them overboard, Mike, if you don't mind. I would not care to touch them. Other things come first. Wait. (sighs) What now? Before we do anything, don't you think we should have an understanding? About what? The gold. What's there to understand? There are four of us. We bring it in. It's split four ways. Four ways, yeah. Then I have a right. You go to the galley, Mike. I will stay here. I want to count the gold. (sighs) Come on, Cora. No. I'll stay down here if you don't mind. I'd like to know how much there is, too. Honest to Pete, I don't know why I said it. I wasn't thinking, it just came out. Luwa tinkered with the purifier that night and we collected a lot of clean, fresh water. The next day, we cleaned the ship up a bit, and all of a sudden I got to feeling how funny things were. Adrift in space, on a ghost ship. But we had food, water, air. At times, it was almost like a pleasure cruise. Good morning. Morning. Sleep well? Not too good. Of course, the place you fixed up for me was real nice, but... Well, I kept thinking about things. Cora Moore from San Diego with a jackpot. You know, you don't seem too happy about it. First problems first. We'll get found. Keatman's right. You don't get lost in outer space these days. Ship is bound to cross us. Isn't it? Sure. So then we'll all be rich and happy. You still don't feel good about it. I... I remember once when I was a kid. I reached for a pot in a dice game. My winnings. Fair. I got the back of my hand ripped open with a knife. Never got the winnings. I see. Counting your chickens. That's it. Everybody does that. Look at me. I was going to be a ballet dancer. 
I was a ballet dancer. In my mind, I mean. Pirouettes and all that. Who knew I was going to end up a belly dancer? That's not so bad. No, guess I just happen to have the belly for it. What are you going to do with your share of the gold? I mean, if we bring it in. Go back to Earth. Australia. Get a ranch. Sheep. Sounds like work. You won't have to work. You'll have enough. I don't mind. Good morning. Morning. I'm fine this morning. Where's Walu? Lu Wa. Making breakfast. <laughs> this morning I would like fish for breakfast. Have Walu make fish. Ah, I feel good. I slept well. I always knew the rich slept well, no matter what they tried to tell you. Yeah. I see the skeletons are gone, Mike. I ejected them last night. Thank you, Mike. Luar found some tools and spare parts. We're going to see if we can't get the navigation system working after we eat. Your help? Certainly. See you later, Cora. Surly fellow. Well, you look lovely this morning, my dear. A fresh look. Yeah, you're a beautiful girl. Sure, and I'll get better looking the longer we're in space. <laughs> yeah, I know the joke. And Cora, my dear, I've been doing some calculations in regards to our wealth. If the bars weigh 20 pounds apiece, and since there are 100 of them, we have 320 ounces per bar... And the value of the gold per ounce is seventeen hundred and eighty-four dollars. So three hundred and twenty times seventeen eighty-four times one hundred equals fifty-seven million eighty-eight thousand dollars. Buy a lot of meat and potatoes. Filet mignon, pheasant, pompano amandine. What's that? Something very delicious. Suppose the bar weighs twenty-five pounds, seventy-one point three six million dollars. Seventy-one million bucks. Ah, but these are earth prices. If the gold is sold at Mazomia where the market is free, say, two thousand an ounce, eighty million dollars. It keeps getting bigger. A matter of multiplication. Multiplication is a wonderful thing. It makes everything grow. Uh-huh. Division, however, is not so wonderful. What do you mean? Well, take a large satisfactory number and divide, say, by four. What are you left with? A small, unsatisfactory number. Do you follow? No. Mull it to yourself, my dear. I'm sure it'll come to you. Sure, I knew what he was getting at, but I wasn't letting on. Sometimes it pays to play dumb. Well, the day went on as usual, our ship drifting and us not seeing anything but stars and sky. And then that night, laying in my bunk, I suddenly began to think of something. I don't know why, but there I was, all of a sudden thinking about Keatman and those ideas of his on multiplication and division. It just jolted me out of my bed. I ran into the passage. Mike came from one way, Keatman from the other, and we met in the middle. Luar! Luar, where are you? No need to shout more. Look. Keatman was pointing to the view screen. We could see his lifeless body floating in space. 
Luwa was overboard and we could see him getting smaller and smaller until he disappeared. We'll return to escape in just a moment, but first... Hello! Those nice young men have asked me to tell you that this portion of our program is being brought to you by the Church of St. Francis Ulysses. <clears throat> the Church of St. Francis Ulysses is located entirely on the internet and holds services via video feed, podcasting from Vicar Bruno's basement. The organist is Mrs. Pudding Taster, who gives lessons in her flat on Wednesday nights, just before choir rehearsal in the pub downstairs. So, if you're looking to have your child baptised, or if you're planning a wedding, why not consider a cyber ceremony? At the Church of St. Francis Ulysses, there's no need to cater, no need to get all gussied up. In fact, you could get hitched in your gym jams and have potentially thousands of people to share your joy with no need to feed them nor provide libations after. And it's 100% legal, more or less. So, if you're looking for a church that don't look down on you, or one where you don't have to see that weird bloke who stares at you all through the homily, please consider the Church of St. Francis Ulysses. For more information, visit us at stfu.org. That's stfu.org. Look for our current fundraiser selling STFU tees and caps. What? Oh, you want me to say it one more time? All right. STFU! <clears throat> Thank you. And now we return to The Derelict, tonight's thrilling episode of Escape. He should have known better. He should not have leaned against the cargo port. It's weak. He probably opens at the slightest pressure. What makes you think he leaned? The ship's tossing, then. It threw him against the side. Who always an old space veteran? He could keep his feet in any turbulence. I don't understand you, Mike. How else could he have gone overboard? There are ways. I can't imagine. Look, do we have to stand around talking about it? Of course not, my dear. Accidents do happen. There's no point in... Keepman, you watch your step. Now, what could you mean by that, Mike? Just watch your step, that's all. I don't know what happened to Lou War, but you just watch your step. Very well, Captain Borman. I shall. Come on, Cora. I'll walk you back to your cabin. Mike walked me back. I had my chance to do some talking. To tell him about the conversation I'd had with Keatman about multiplication and division. I should have told Mike. I know it. But somehow... The words just wouldn't come out. I don't know why. Mike left me. I asked him to and tried to get some sleep. No luck. I kept thinking about poor Lu Wah and also about something else. I don't really know why I thought about it, but the fact is I did. Without me doing anything, I'd just got richer. Cora? Hmm? Are you asleep? May I come in? Well, I... Just for a few moments, my dear. I want to talk to you. All right, just a sec. It's real late. Just a little while. The thing is, I do not get to see enough of you alone. 
You see, it's like the joke says. I get better looking to you the longer... Cora. Now wait a minute. It's all right. Mike is asleep. He'll not hear... Hands off, mister. That's all. Have I made a mistake? I thought you had some feeling for me. Well, it's just that you sure rush a girl. Oh, I see you. I'm sorry. Why don't you go now, Keatman? Henry. Why don't you go, Henry? I feel kind of upset tonight, you know what I mean? Lua and everything. Uh, all right, my dear. You're not mad? No. There'll be other times. Yes, yeah, of course there will, Cora. Hmm? When we are safe on Earth and rich, we will go someplace, you and I. Italy, perhaps. Or the, the south of France. France? Cora... 80 million divided by three is a large number. That should mean a lot to you. Yeah, I have to admit I've been thinking about it. 80 million divided by two should mean even more. I didn't want to hear him say those things. No way for me to stop him, of course. Still, I wished he hadn't said them. Got my mind all mixed up. Got me figuring and figuring... Dividing 80 million by two, and I never was much at arithmetic, but I knew it was easier than by three. And there was one thing more I knew. Didn't matter which two you divided 80 million with, Keatman or Mike, I mean. The answer came out the same either way. In the morning, I found Mike on the bridge, looking out at the stars. I remember saying to myself, he looked kind of good to me. (laughs) Funny how a guy can look one way to you at one time and then another look so very different. Hello. What do you see? The usual. Nothing. Oh, it's not so bad. Still got food and water and it's only the third day. Guys were adrift during the war for weeks. They got saved. Sure. And they had it worse than us. Mind if I sit here with you? No, of course not. Seen Cateman? Uh-uh. Hello, I guess. Counting? Yeah, he sure has gone off on the gold. You know, I've been thinking... About what? Those skeletons we found. Do you wonder who they are? Who they were? A little. You think they were part of the crew, or came on later like us? Looks to me like the whole crew abandoned ship. I'd say those two came on later, after the ship had been adrift for a while. And then they found the gold, huh? Just like us. Uh Uh-huh. Sure smells good up here. This is about the only place aboard you don't smell the ship's rot. Maybe I should have been an explorer instead of a dancer. Get to see more that way. Open spaces. Ranching gets you outside, too. Lots of open spaces. Yeah? Bet Australia is just loaded with fresh air. What about sheep, huh? What about them? They smell? Lots of animals smell, you know. Sheep aren't so bad. Maybe I ought to use my share of the gold to buy a ranch next to yours. We could be neighbors and get together every once in a while and talk about hard times. All of this, I mean. Cora. Hmm? (coughs) Cora. I... I don't know. I can't quite tell whether it's because of the mess we're in or where... Well, 
suppose it might be different on Earth when we're safe, but... <sighs> what are you trying to say, Mike? Oh, nothing. Forget it, Cora. Sure, all right. Mike, Keatman came into my cabin last night. He did? I thought there was going to be trouble. Cora? No, it's all right. The only thing is, well, I think you better watch yourself. What do you mean? Well, it's what he said to me. He said, him and me could split the gold in two. (sighs) Yeah. I just thought I ought to tell you. Right. Thanks. There's a knife in the galley. I don't want to suggest anything, but nobody's going to blame you if you moved first. I don't know why I said it the way I said it. I didn't mean to say it that way. It just sort of came out. Funny how you do things sometimes. For no real reason, I mean. Well, the third day went by, and we just kept drifting and drifting, with nothing to look at but stars and black sky. Then for the late afternoon, we saw something. Just a blip on the radar, but then it came closer and closer. A freighter, huge. Just one of its engines was the size of our ship. Hey, hey! Over here! Over here! Oh, quit yelling! I can't hear you! Keatman screamed to beat the band while Mike operated the flashing beacon on and off. The freighter saw us, flashed a light at us, and then took off again. We knew it would send a ship and that we'd soon be saved. That night in the galley, we sat down for what we hoped would be our last meal on the derelict. Fish? Have some delicious fish. Thank you. I don't want any more. Cora? Uh-uh. I don't feel much like eating. Water, then. Have a big drink of water. No, I don't want any. Watch out. You're spilling it. Who needs it anymore? I told you it'd be found. This is 2113. The ship will come to us tomorrow, I bet. All right, we'll celebrate tomorrow. Put the water down. We've still got to get through tonight. Tonight? Yeah, tonight. One more night. Keatman shut up then, and a few minutes later left the galley. Then Mike went out too. That's when I noticed that the galley knife wasn't there anymore. Turbulence got kind of choppy that night, and I was sure restless. Felt like a storm was building. The sounds came from the hold, and it wasn't the ship coming apart either. I ran out along the dim corridors and stood outside the hold, looking down into the blackness. I couldn't see, but I knew what it was. Mike and Keatman. Mike and Keatman fighting it out, and it didn't take a brain to figure out it was the last fight. Only one was coming up. The other was staying down below, dead, to rot away like the skeletons we had found. Hello, my dear. Henry. I got the knife in him before he knew what happened. The rest was hard, but... Mike? Done. We divide by two, my love. By two. As it should be. 
I... I gotta get into my cabin. I'm cold as ice. Wait! Cora? Yeah? The ship will come to us today. To us. You and me. The 80 million is ours. I know, Henry. The south of France. Or would you rather Italy? Whatever you want, Henry. Anything? Yeah. Cora. Cora, my love. <laughs> Cora? <laughs> Cora! Mine, Henry. No divvy up at all. I don't know why I did it. Honest to Pete, I wasn't thinking about it. I just did it all of a sudden. I gave him a shove and he went back and fell into the hold. I could see him just for a second, looking all surprised like, his face wider than ever and his eyes bugging out. Then he disappeared into the blackness. The storm lasted for days, three, four, I don't remember now, and it tossed the ship I don't know how many which ways. Well, the storm stopped, sky cleared up, ship started flying right again. Been this way a couple of days now, but I haven't seen the rescue ship. Water's gone, food too. Mike and Keatman are rotten down in the hold, and I'm alone. But like I say, I'm rich, all the gold's mine, and still good-looking. Any of you can have me, me and the gold. All you gotta do is come out and get me. But please, please come quick. of Norman MacDonald, Escape has brought you The Derelict, originally adapted by Larry Roman from a story by Victor Schwartz and aired April 26, 1953. This recreation was adapted especially for Sonic Summerstock 2021 and directed by Pete Lutz. Our cast consisted of the following players. Christy Glick starred as Cora, with Kareem Cronflee as Keatman, Larry Groby as Mike, and Pete Lutz as Luwa. The special music for Escape is composed and conducted by Dr. Ross Bernhardt. Sound design by 63 Audio, Corpus Christi, Texas. This is Jason D. Johnson speaking. We hope you enjoyed this entry in the 2021 Summer Stock, and will tune in to all of the other entries being presented this year. This is C.K. Standard speaking, and this has been a 63 Audio production in association with the Mutual Audio Network. Sixty-three audio. This is mutual.
and a resounding applause for Narada Radio Company's second visit to this stage. And that is the end for our 2021 season of the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. Please join me and Jack Ward and many other groups live at mad-con.com next year as we move the Playhouse to Dalhousie University during the conference. So for Jack Ward and myself, thank you so much for your patronage at the Playhouse this summer. And join Jack and me back at the Sonic Society for the premiere of Season 17 next week. Good night from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Always sweeping up. It, this, I, I've got to speak to my agent about this. This summer stock performance completes our season for 2021. Be sure to join us next summer when Sonic Summerstock Playhouse will be live from the Modern Audio Drama Convention in Halifax, Nova Scotia. To get your tickets, go to www.mad-con.com. That's M-A-D-C-O-N.com for your tickets to both the world's first audio drama convention and your place for live evening and matinee performances for Sonic Summerstock. Next week, please join Jack and myself to begin the next new season of the Sonic Society. Until then, I've been your host for The Playhouse, David Alt. Thank you for your kind attendance this year, and good night. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. There are a number of things that we can all do to help stop the spread of the coronavirus and protect ourselves and our families. One is simply to clean your hands often. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds, especially after you've been in a public place or after blowing your nose, coughing, or sneezing. If you don't have access to soap and water, then make sure you use a hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol. And finally, avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands. These are some simple things that we can all do to help protect ourselves and our families from the spread of coronavirus. Be well, everybody. <laughs>